0: Hello, everybody. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Warrant Committee, January 31st, 2023. Madam Clerk, would you please conduct our roll call attendance? Sure. We have
1: Dave, Dave Pumphrey's Emily Cavalier, JJ O'Connor is on Steve Geister, Christine Posthill, Lorraine D., Thomas Caldwell, Lori Connolly, Alice Gagnon, Jareem Langley is on Zoom, Amanda Serio, Stephen Rines, and Jade Funley. And
2: we understand Judy's trying to get on Zoom.
0: Thank you. <clears throat> so we have some agenda items. The big item for tonight's gonna be to meet with the school committee, budget committee, uh, to go over their proposed budget for fiscal year 2024. Uh, We have received, each of us, copies of their budget. It's extensive. So we'll have their presentation tonight. Now, and I apologize not to waste anyone's time, but there was a little disconnect between us and them. Um, We thought the meeting was at seven. They thought the meeting was at 7.30. So we expect for the school committee to be here for their 7.30 time. So we will get to that at or about 7.30. But we do have some housekeeping that we generally would do at the end of the formal presentation with regards to warrant committee business, specifically with regards to our annual town meeting prep, our subcommittee assignments, and to come up with our game plan for how to, um, how we are gonna proceed through for warrant preparation going into the annual town meeting in May, okay? So I think we'll formally kick that off, formally. Nick, the town administrator, um, is prepared to give us a general overview of what FY 24 budget is looking at right now. Um, We have received at the Warren Committee proposed budgets from all the departments. I sent out a link to a shared folder today that has all of those. So as we break into our subcommittees, those budgets are available, I think our plan in this iteration is to try to have the Warrant Committee subcommittees reach out to the departments prior to their presentation. What we have t- seem to have done in the past is get the presentation, then the Warrant Committee members have gone out and met with the department heads, and then as we've gone into our discussion and our votes, we'll make a presentation at that point. We have the time, if we get going, that we could talk to the department heads prior to their presentations when they come. and. Uh, all right. So, we have had some uh, some of these subcommittees are populated with volunteers, but we we still have some that we need to uh, to assign get volunteers for. So maybe I'll go through some of them schools. Emily can share more on that. <laughs>
3: So I know many of you have signed up for the schools those of you who signed up right away when the request went out I know I sent an email Mm -hmm. just making sure everyone knew since Betty had encouraged attending their finance subcommittee meetings And I know I've seen many of you there Um, And sometimes there have been weeks I haven't been able to make it and um, you've been there and I've heard updates Which is super helpful. So thank you to those of you who've been doing that. I think it's great background um, as we go into this process and then um, there were a couple additions kind of after I sent out that message so I just want to make sure since there are quite a few of us who are looking at um, that budget closer uh, since it's a big one um, I'll reach out after because um, I think given the complexity and all the time constraints um, we'll just want to make sure we streamline any questions Mm -hmm. um and get them in writing just to make it easier for getting answers, um, and we just don't want to repeat questions, so I'll reach out after um, to make sure that we are kind of ready for our next steps for that.
4: When do you think you want comments from the, from the budget, from us?
3: Um, I, I mean, I think it would be helpful in the next week, probably to make sure I have some time to put by, them together. By Friday? Yeah, that would be helpful. Kay. This just, just so likely in the past, like Dave mentioned, uh, I feel like the last couple of years have been a little different, in and it's all I've experienced. So, we've been meeting usually kind of one meeting with the subcommittee after to do like any follow up needed, um, and so I would expect that would probably happen um, again. Sometimes, I think looking further to the past, those meetings happen before. Um, But again, with timing, it seemed helpful to be able to have everyone see the the full presentation now. And again, quite a few people um, who are going to be on the subcommittee have been going to those finance meetings, and I think getting a lot of that background. um, The timing for those is challenging because it's in the morning, so um, I think it works consistently for some, and then it doesn't work consistently for others, which is completely understandable. So would probably look at scheduling an evening um, because Mm -hmm. usually that's a little
4: and how many people are on the committee?
3: There, I need to double-check because <laughs> there are quite a few people who expressed interest and I think our view was anyone who wants to take part um, can take part this year. Um, again, since it's a big budget. Um, yeah. But with that, we just want to make sure we're not, you know, duplicating questions um, because, you know, often if one person has a question, many of us will have a That's question. Same question yeah. So, yeah, we can make sure we put it together, um, keep it streamlined. When uh, communicating for um, dates, can we just
1: let people know as soon as we are in um, communication with anybody from the head, especially with having so many people in the budget for school, so that we can have as much notice as possible? Because that was a quick, pretty turnaround from Thursday to Tuesday. So if we can, like, if there's a date, even if it's like a, hey, heads up, we're planning this date, it would be
3: awesome yeah. to know that ahead of time, like, <clears throat> ahead of time, as well. Yeah,
5: so awesome.
3: I'll probably plan to put up, because the so these meetings will usually happen kind of outside of our regular meeting schedule, yeah. so I would probably just put out a few dates. Um, I will say, because it would be outside of our regular meeting dates, um, like, with the number of people we have, it's... Might be hard to find a day that works for everybody. No, I'm not saying that. Just like, just yeah.
0: as much notice as possible. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that subcommittee is going to be huge. Sort of like, I think our attitude was if there was interest, as it is with any of these subcommittees, if someone has an interest, especially if somebody has any kind of um, relevant professional experience, get on it. You know, get on it, ask questions. Ultimately, the whole um, Warrant Committee is going to address all of these things. So, and then just given the size of the budget, is that um, more the merrier, just play nice. Um, So that's schools. Public safety, we had Steve Rines and Thomas. And and Steve, like I have you down, it's such an email, like I have you down, you're, it looks like you're on schools, public safety, DPW. I don't have a job. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. It, it I, I, it was a bit, I didn't realize how much it was involved with all these, that's my fault. It's a rookie mistake. It's alright. So, so are you retracting some of those? I I, I
4: can take on a little more if you need some. Yeah,
6: I mean, we. Because isn't DPW, that's a pretty involved one as well, I think, isn't it?
0: You know, I I did DPW with um, John Driscoll, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why I can't do DPW and consolidated facilities anymore because it just wouldn't be the same without (laughs) John. (laughs) but it wasn't it was not that bad I mean because and we put it in the warrant last year is DPW and consolidated facilities have sort of been handing in those year-over-year level funded budgets every year to the tune of twenty million dollars worth of deferred uh, work that could be done on the roads of Milton so if you're just looking at the same budget from the year before and the year before and the year before that that wasn't a lot of heavy lifting DPW consolidated facilities um, but anyway so we had public safety you guys you guys want to, you want to stick with public safety you know we, we had you guys if we do public safety Steve and Thomas on DPW consolidated facilities I guess Steve there had been some talk about you know we were going to have some people keeping an eye on what was going on with the community preservation act money you had been on that
7: it's fascinating to me as a, a
0: coach sports in a town and it's fascinating to me that that money sits out there and um i think there's a lot of great use to that so i'm interested in that one okay well let's keep i tell you what let's keep let's keep you on these yeah. and then if at some point just cry uncle and we will <laughs> make That's a change funny. as an okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you. Sure. Cemetery.
6: Yeah, I'll take them.
0: You, right, and you, you felt you've done in the past. You felt one person. was Um,
6: uh, I think Christine did it last year, and I think she did it by herself. So yeah, okay. that's fine.
0: Is anybody interested in cemetery? Let's check it out. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Jareem, awesome. Thank you, Jareem.
7: Mother's there, so I definitely have an interest uh, for that, all
0: right? Okay. All right. Jareem. Library, we had Judith and also, also Also, I'd like to do public safety. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Public safety, Jareem. Library, we had Judith and J.J. Anybody, anybody interested in library?
8: Up like what's the good number for, for committees? Is there one?
0: I, I I'd say at least two. Three is fine. Like schools is gonna be the outlier. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
0: Right? We're we're just not gonna feel a crush of people to look to work on the general government budget. <laughs> right? Schools is the big one. It's Jupiter. The entire solar system organizes itself based upon the gravitational pull mm-hmm. of this massive planet called schools <laughs> library is interesting we have an awesome library
4: I mean if you need somebody I can oh, I, all right I don't go there but okay. Amanda. I probably could
0: you should everyone should go to our free and public library we're lucky to have it I
3: go, I go
0: for meetings there it's a public space yeah they have, uh, they're in the old colony library network, yep, yep, yep. and they have a huge uh, digital lending yep. for people who like to use the electronics. Okay, so that's library. General governments, Jay. Anyone. He could use a hand. I could, I could. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Anyone? Anyone? Oh, which one was this? yeah oh any general government what
4: what, um, is, what does that include
0: all of these things
7: i'll jump in with jay
0: on that all right thank you Jareem.
7: yeah hmm.
4: that's not big money
0: yeah, okay. but
4: it's a lot of yeah yeah yeah
0: it's big okay this is schools here and park is i think heading over Okay.
3: So, she might have more to add. All right,
0: I'm gonna work with her on the community preservation. Take a look at that. Um, Parks and Recs, we had Allison and Kristen. Is that still good? Yeah, that's great. All right. Insurance and retirement, we had Jay and Ohenny. Okay. Yep. No, boards and committees. Oh, Hennie, you had done that last year, is that right?
9: Yes. Um, who I, I did it with someone. Who, who what, was it? Was it Jake? It
0: was me. Yeah, it was me.
8: <laughs>
9: that I don't know.
0: Who it was. You want to do it again? I, <laughs> oh, <hey. laughs> wow.
9: Uh, I, I, I'm happy to do it just because I think countries- I do think we should have someone who's not in le- the third year, like me. I just, we gotta teach people how to do each one. I learned from Kathy, so I'd love to pass for it.
4: Okay, well,
9: I can do it. Again. Uh, I'll do it with you, I'll do it with you.
0: All right, thank you. And then elder s- services, we had Judith and JJ. JJ, do you want me to to, uh, jump in on the Boards and Committees and then? (laughs) I could do do
6: Elder Services, because I did that last year. Uh, Me and Lorraine did that together, yeah.
0: Fine, so it would be Judith and Kristen. Okay, and that looks like it's it. I think we're covered. Is there anybody who... um,
9: I would, love to, I would love to do police and fire as well. At least okay. have a, be part of that team okay. if, if whoever is on it.
0: Sure. Steve, Thomas, Jareem, and OHenney. Yeah. Public Once safety.
9: Ended, continuity.
0: OK. Thank you. Um, so those are the assignments. I, so I've talked with Nick the town administrator, he is prepared to give us like a general uh, budget brief as where he is right now on the town budget. It's evolving. Um, He's good on Monday. Do we want to meet on Monday, this coming Monday the 6th? He can meet on the 6th or Wednesday of the same week. Monday and Wednesdays are kind of our days. Mondays are go-to. Does that sound good, Monday? Yeah, Monday works. Monday, Monday. works? Yeah. Okay, so we'll have, our plan would be to have Nick and he will bring in um, our town accountant he would like to have. And he can give us an update on where we're at now, understanding that his budget has not not yet been presented to the select board. And also, we can start to talk about warrant articles that we know will be coming to us on top of the the regular warrants in the annual, for the annual town meeting. And The two big ones that we know are gonna come our way is that, the giles road project will be coming back my sense on that one is that will be do or die so that's going to we're going to we're going to address that and there's another there's another bylaw article about uh, digitizing and putting online and available bylaws there'll be a decision made do we proceed with a, a larger bylaw project or just go to the digitization of our bylaws. I'm not really up to speed on that right now. I'm just you know, sort of transmitting that we expect there's gonna be a bylaws article. So it's not like we're gonna get hit with residential lighting, you know, and another fire station, and of this, and of that, and trash cans. You know what I mean? It looks, looks like we're gonna keep it to some pretty simple things. Uh, and those are the big ones that we know are coming our way. Okay.
6: Are we able to start the Gallo Road like before, if we don't have the budget, like could we get that started at least in discussing it?
0: So we are going to, um, Mr. O'Rourke is always happy to come to us with whatever update he has. He's always very happy. So I would not be surprised if we had a presentation by Mr. O'Rourke with regards to the status. Yes, Steve.
4: Wasn't there a legal issue with changing the the context of that land? And did that get resolved yet? And I don't know why we would spend more time on this thing until it illegally gets resolved.
0: Well, um, that might be part... I'm not privy to all of that yet because it has not come to us. But I would expect that if they were putting forward that project on a, as a warrant article that those legal matters would have to be, um, if not resolved, but addressed and in, in, uh, in, in with enough certainty that we could go to a formal vote at town meeting. So I, again, am not privy to those conversations, but I would expect that those questions would be answered in order to have a vote first by us and then by the citizens of the town.
4: Yeah, because we spent hours and hours and hours debating it and there was never any good definity um, of what the, what the legal position was. Uh, they're gonna
0: have to have that figured out. Yeah, okay. It's on the warrant as far as, it's. I, I believe that it's on the warrant. I haven't seen the article, but the select board closed the warrant and voted the articles to town meeting, so it's gonna come to us. Okay. And so we can ask Nick, the town administrator, when we see him, if that's part of his brief. And legal too. Yeah, we, right we, so we, we're gonna start with an overview on Monday. Okay. And if, if he can share those things with us, if, if, I don't know where they're at with that article, because there's many issues. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Jay. Can
10: I step back to the subcommittee discussion earlier? So I just want to know what the etiquette is when when things overlap. Like I already reached out to the DPW guys because I said, okay, employee benefits and DPW, they overlap in this interesting way and I don't want to step on your toes. Um, I I don't know, is there, is there just be nice to each other? Play nice.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. It looks like we have members of the school committee. Is it, are you, do you, are you ready to, to join us? Yeah, come on, come on. Do we, do we want to make room at the table?
9: Do we want to shove chairs together?
0: We should all oh, come on in, let's make some room. Let's make some room.
4: Talk school, I got a Come on in. Yeah, we can like those
6: chairs, like have them.
4: A lot of
0: people. Is he? Oh. Hmm. I have Who I should say attending. If, if but if he's I, a yeah, I he? bit more than
11: How
0: you doing? Come on in.
7: Your um, budget binders have a copy of our presentation. Would you like it on a stick so you can put it up? It's up to you how you want to deal with that. If you'd rather look at it on a screen and share it, or just look in the books. Is I think for
0: people that are here, it
1: be appropriate.
0: Yeah. Well, the, also, yeah. There's people watching on Milton Access Television, and so, oh, Karen, are you able to? All right. Sure. Oops, sorry.
7: That's
3: <laughs> <Technology>. <laughs> oh, thank
4: you. Usually when you plug in and like to get the whole crew there. Right? Yeah. i don't think everybody knows right, is, yeah. is there another usb on this side Maybe mm-hmm. it's just a different port. Yeah,
7: we'll try it. yeah i
5: know
7: just, just, we that's it that's it didn't like that port. So we just need to share the screen.
12: Just um, take this moment to say hello and thank you for having us we have the entire school committee here tonight and we look forward to discussing our budget with you and, and answering any questions and imagine that there will be some back and forth and maybe this may go on beyond uh, this evening but we look forward to starting the conversation tonight um, and I just want to tell you what a, a Special moment in time this is for our district. We have with us our current interim superintendent mm-hmm. Janet Sheehan, who has been with us since August, who is leaving on Friday. <coughs> we have uh, and we are all very grateful for the time that Janet has given us and helping us with this um, transition uh, time and a very very important um, time. We have Dr. Garth McKinney who will be stepping in as our interim superintendent um, between now and when Dr. Peter Burrows begins. And we also have Dr. Peter Burrows here, our incoming superintendent, uh, who will begin um, working with us in July, although he's here today to um, join us and join you tonight uh, because our school budget is so important to everything we do. thank you for having us and i'll turn it over to uh, betty way is the chair of our finance
2: committee thank you for having us tonight and i watch your meetings so i know about your deliberations and i've served on the warrant committee two different times back in the early 90s and then again up to six years ago when i left the warrant committee to join the school committee um and i also want to thank glenn pavlachek for he stepped in when we had a, another transition in our uh, administrative team. And Glenn, as many of you might know, um, was our uh, assistant superintendent for business for many years. And prior to that was also a member of the school committee. And prior to that was also on the warrant committee and chair the warrant committee. So he brings an expertise that makes me not be nervous tonight presenting because <laughs> Glenn's here. So, um, so uh, the, the subcommittee of the schools um, Consists of several members, and they're here tonight. Although um, Selena, I don't know if Selena's joined us yet, but I know she's coming from a work meeting. So Selena is one of our members, and Beverly Ross Denny is another member. But all of our school committee members are invited to join us, and they often do come to our often weekly meetings. And we begin our we begin our budget process early, and we meet with all of the um, the principals the department heads our administrative team and we put together a budget for uh, what the needs are for the school district and you know for many of you who, who've been following the schools our budget mm-hmm. needs change uh, frequently because of enrollment of students moving into the district and the needs of those students um, so it, it's a very complex budget it's a large budget as you know and so um we're here to you know, fill you in on any questions you have and listen to your thoughts, and um, we're gonna let Glenn take over at this time.
7: Thank you. Um, we have a very, this is a brief presentation, it's about 14 slides, including titles, that we uh, presented to the school committee just to give a quick overview of how the budget was developed. And then I'll give you a little walk through the book to let you know where you can find things and what's in there. And then you know we can go from there in terms of any questions or or things you might have for us so if you uh, this was this year of course you know it's tricky because of ARPA Uh, there's a lot of ARPA funding that was for this particular year that's falling off after fiscal 23 and that we um, we want to deal with in fiscal 24 so if you look at it uh, from a, a sort of holistic perspective here, the General Fund, sorry, over to one, um, The General Fund and ARPA. Uh, they're starting by saying, we'd like to do the same thing next year that we're doing this year. And this year, we have um, 58 million and change from the uh, General Fund, and we're receiving about 1.2 million in ARPA funding. Next year, that ARPA funding drops off. And it goes to $282,000. And so in order to roll forward the, the general fund and the ARPA positions that we currently have, it would mean uh, rolling up $61 million in the general fund. So overall, the, the cost of moving from where we are now to where we want to be next year is about $2 million. But it's $3 million to the general fund because you're making up basically a million dollars worth of lost ARPA funding. So this is the ARPA cliff we've been talking about you know ever since ARPA came in that you're you're putting money you're you're getting federal money and it's going to go away and this is the year where largest amount of it goes away so so this the first slide is in there just to say really what we're looking for it is uh, rolling forward for about a three percent raise, but in fact, to the general fund is is a larger cost than that. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, the next slide, just very quickly, uh, our appropriation uh, this year, the fifty-eight million, for level service for those people on uh, the general fund, which is what the rest, pretty much, the rest of this book talks about. It takes about two million dollars to roll the existing scenario with existing staff, existing services forward. but then you have to make up the ARPA restoration about $978,000. So again, you're looking at about $2 million to move us forward from the general fund but plus a million dollars for the ARPA restoration. Mm-hmm. The next slide, these are the positions that are actually being funded uh, through ARPA. The coordinator of all of our preschools, uh, the 504 Team Chair, which is the person who supervises all the American with Disabilities Act uh, accommodations through the district. One of our elementary reading specialists is on uh, ARPA money, a math support teacher at the high school. Our kindergarten aides, once upon a time, for many years, were uh, .8 FTEs, which means they weren't there all day. Um, the ARPA money allowed us to make them full-time. If you think about kindergarten aids, they're probably most necessary at the beginning and end of the day uh, when you're putting boots on and taking boots off and things like that. Uh, Having them there for less than the whole day is not really efficient. Two part-time nurses in even post-COVID times, our nursing staff is stretched. Um, Two of the preschool teachers, uh, two board certified behavioral analysts, these are people who deal uh, with children behavioral issues, and three special education aides. I should mention that uh, last spring it was noted when we went into ARPA funding that the two preschool teachers and three special education aides are in fact required positions by IEPs, and it was said at the time that uh, they would need to be rolled forward on uh, going forward because they were necessary positions. So even though they're ARPA funded, that's uh, the issue. So that's just to move forward, all right? That's. Um, in this, the rest of it is we're talking about some of the needs we have beyond level service because you know, it's our obligation to let you know what our needs are. We, you know, we all know that this is going to be a very difficult budget year. But it, it, it would not be proper for us to not let you know where the needs of the district are. Um, the first one here is yes. a very substantial need speech therapist, halftime time occupational therapist, and physical therapist. These are actually required by IEPs for students who are currently on uh, mm-hmm. ed plans. Um, we are going to have to hire these, period. <laughs> it's a legal mandate for children on special education. So um, although they are above and beyond what we currently have, the IEPs are dictating that we're going to have to hire them. We may in fact not be able to wait till next fall to hire them, it may be the case that we actually have to bring them on this spring to meet the needs of students with, um, with educational plans. Um, and the next page is actually similar. Um, we have, as you probably know, a bunch of classrooms over at the Collicott School where we service children on the autism spectrum. Um, they are, because of the space crunch, and you keep hearing the space crunch over and over again until you're sick of it. Um, the, some of those are in less than full-size classrooms. They are in converted office spaces, they are in converted sometimes storage spaces for of our people, um, they're squeezed into spaces that are not full classroom size. As a result, you can only put eight or nine students legally into those rooms. And so we have children rising from the preschool, we have children that we know are moving in, coming up from um, early education, uh, that we know we are going to need an extra autism classroom um, at the College So that that involves a special education teacher, two ABA aides, and we also know that the first cadre of those students for the autism spectrum that we introduced many years ago is now hitting the high school. So we now have to start servicing those children at the high school. So the ones on this page as well are, even though, again, they don't exist currently, these are positions we are prob- we are going to have to fund for next year um, mm-hmm. because we do have to service the needs of these students. So these two pages are sort of in the middle between rollover and needed. These are sort of absolutely needed. Um, we are, you know, were we not to get funded for these, they would have to be funded at the expense of something else because they're just required. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the rest of the. Mm-hmm few slides here we've been meeting with principals coordinators and so forth since October asking their needs and several members of your committee have been attending our meetings and have watched the list get pared down over time from a, a larger list of uh, you know what we think of the sort of the absolute minimum needs for each school when a principal came in saying well, I need this 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 and this and we say well you know what are your top two you know where where can we go from here so just to for your other needs um, In special education and these remaining ones are in no particular order they're just sort of grouped um, by by type Um, for special education we'd like to set up an intensive learning classroom in Tucker for preschool children Um, we have a bunch of young students coming into the district some are already in the district who although are not in special education yet are coming out of backgrounds where they haven't had uh, early childhood education, they haven't come out of preschools, they haven't come out of formal daycare or anything like that, and we're concerned. They're behind already at, you know, age four and five, and we'd like to create a structured place to get them up to speed before they fall behind further and possibly end up in the special education world or somewhere else, this is sort of preventative medicine for some very younger children that we want to make sure uh, are are serviced. And the other education need from special ed was our out of district coordinator. Um, We have currently a .6 FTE out of 2.3 FTE uh, positions for out of district coordinator. These are people who go around to the 51 students we have and uh, out of district placements that have to do their individual ed plan meetings, they have to supervise, the, they have to you know, visit the sites, work with the instructors there, making sure plans are met, and so forth. We had two people part time this year uh, at, uh, 3.3 FTE each. One of our um, uh, Team chairs, we needed some extra help and, and so one of them moved into a team chair position at the high school and did some extra work there. So our director of special education, the director of pupil personnel services and the assistant director have actually been going out and doing these because we didn't have anyone else. But we've gone up from 41 to 50 students in out-of-district placements, and so to go around to all the out-of-district places and service all these it really has become a full-time job for one person to do all that traveling we have students in everywhere from collaboratives on the South Shore down to a couple. We have a, a student who's in a specialized program in Rhode Island. I mean, we have a student in New Hampshire for a specialized program. So there, we this is a, a lot of work. Um, <coughs>
5: diversity,
7: equity, and inclusion. Um, again, we have a DEI director. Um, and she asked for some extra staffing. This is basically a pared down version of that. We were looking for one person to assist her as a coach uh, to go around with to, to work with teachers and some stipends for a teacher in each building to basically act as a facilitator to do some of the work um, that she needs to do. And we can talk about that as well. Um, and some professional development costs there for that department at the elementary school our targeted task is for um, an additional math interventionist we have two currently um, but they are uh you know you have a there's a lot of lost learning from covid and so they are service you know they we have to look at how many students they could service sort of draw a line and say they're going to service all these students who are behind in math get beat them in small groups push into classrooms work with them we'd like to lower the bar a little to reach uh to reach a massive interventionist, the students who need it the most get it now. We'd like to service more. Um, again, to pick up for some of that lost learning. It's primarily targeted now at grades three, four, and five, correct? So we'd like to bring it down into some second graders as well to help boost that, that lost learning in So again, we have two positions currently, um, thanks again to the grant funding. We'd the, they're both ARPA funded. For now um, and into next year, but we'd like to add this one. This would be a, if nothing less than a permanent position on the general fund, so that if there were uh, issues with our funding in the future, we would still have this one as well. But we feel we really need a third to, to deal with some of those issues. At the middle school, um, we really had, we had there were a variety of different uh, requests here, but we've sort of called it down to two, Um, a technology exploratory teacher. Um, The biggest classes at the middle school are in the exploratories, you know, all the different things other than your core subjects. And exploratories at middle school are a little different than electives at the high school. Electives at the high school, you say, I'd like to take woodshop, I'd like to take music, I'd like to take this. At the middle school, it's, uh, you have fifth period free, Uh, let's see where we can put you. Um, it's not so much a request, but we're exposing you to different topics, and you know, there might be some requests, but it, it's going to be a lot more determined by the schedule because the classes get so overcrowded. You know, when you see 70 uh, sections in excess of 25 students, that's a lot in middle school. Um, and a grade 6 ELA support teacher, um, again, dealing with people moving up from uh, grade 5 who need some extra help in, uh, in English language arts. Originally, the the principal had asked to create a new team at the sixth grade. We sort of went back and forth on that and said, you know, that's a lot. Um, Let's target where we need it the most. We have a math support person at the sixth grade. Let's put an English language arts support person at the sixth grade and target those two disciplines. So, those are the two pieces here. At the high school, the the high school had have, uh, have on here for some future, news, but really they told it for to the most important one they thought, which is business career tech teacher. Business career tech is an interesting hybrid. It, inc- it encompasses the business courses, the economics courses, the cooking courses, the wood sh- shop. It's it's sort of an amalgam because we used to have department heads for all those things, and in past budget cuts we combine them. Um, so it's it's interesting that the director of technology oversees the. Textile course where they're sewing clothing. It's an interesting talent, let's say, to be able to do that. Um, But this is a the the elective area where we have the most desire in, for instance, we have four AP economic sections, but that means the teacher can only teach one intro economic section. Well, if you only have one intro, you're not going to have four APs very long. Um, Also in here, I have 27 sections out of 50 over 25 students. That's actually um, a little misleading. A lot of these sections, wood shop, auto shop, uh, cooking are capped at uh, 25 or less for OSHA reasons. You can't put that many kids in the kitchen. You can't put that many kids in the wood shop. So in fact that 27 out of 50 is probably more like 27 out of 38 or 40 that are, are over the 25 students here. This, this is our most over-enrolled and um, by students desired uh, elective set that, that really needs extra support. Um, fi- uh, finally, um, system high technology request. Um, our technology department is a director and three tech people for five buildings, 5,000 plus, pieces of equipment. Um, We actually uh, actually had more people in the tech department in 2003 when I joined the school committee than we have now. Um, And we have a whole lot more uh, technology than we ever had in 2003. So we just need another body to deal with Chromebooks and this and that. And Frankly, if it wasn't for, as I said before, it wasn't for a class at the high school of students who repair Chromebooks and are really good at it, we would be underwater. Um, no question about it. So, the, the final piece here is just, because I know experience, warrant committees like numbers. Here's as many numbers as I could fit on one page for you. <laughs> Basically, summarize it all in one place. Um, so, that's 5,000 foot overview, all right? Um, The rest of your book, it gets into the the nitty-gritty details of this. Um, The next section, the budget summary, um, this is a, our budget chart of accounts is dictated by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. We have to break it into seven major categories, policy and administration, instructional leadership instruction, and so forth. We have to put it in special line numbers because they believe that if everyone does this they can compare district to district. They can keep believing that, because no two districts do it the same way anyway, but we'll go with that. Um, that's the idea behind it, for certain. Um, so what I've done here is broken it down. I can myself. Sorry, I had to drive down today. Not only I'm gonna go on to now, okay? Oh, mm-hmm. I can do it from in this building.
13: Oh, okay. All
7: right. Um, so the, the next section is basically an overview showing you where we were the last couple years what our budget is this year what our proposal is this year and where ARPA fits into it the next several sections are detailed breakdowns um, of those different sections and so for instance for each section policy administration instruction and so forth we give you a list of literally every position the way i did um, the budget for uh, salaries for this is that to, we took a snapshot. It was at the beginning of November of this year. We just took this is the staff we have right now. Took every person, said, well, if they were a step six this year, they're going to be a step seven next year. Uh, we know what the contractual raise is, and we just, I just literally one you know person by person rolled the whole thing forward. So our budget isn't based, for instance, on salaries. saying well, it was so much this year, it's going to be this much next year. No, it's this many people this year it cost this, those people next year cost that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to try to make it as, as clear as possible. You know, mm-hmm. you can look person by person through this um, and see where what they're making and so forth. Um, we also have a breakdown of the non-salary product uh, costs at the back of it, um, you know, putting in a, a small inflationary increase for things like text materials and supplies and so forth. Um, Special education is going to be in here. Um, Interestingly, special education, uh, the out-of-district placements we have currently, the the state has tentatively approved a 14% increase in out-of-district tuitions. That is an astounding amount. We spend $4.6 million on out-of-district tuitions. Um, we are hoping, and everybody's pushing back on this from the Schools Committees Association, from the Superintendents Association, to the Municipal Associations to say, you can't let that stand. That is just way too high of, a, of an increase. We have a, a lower decrease built into here. I put notes in here so you can take a look at it. Um, it's been hit historically around 6%. Um, I've also built in this is net of our circuit breaker. Um, Circuit Breaker for special ed students, if you're not familiar with it, if we spend more than $42,000 in change on a student, the state is supposed to, and this is subject to funding, supposed to pay us 75 cents of the dollar for every dollar we spent above that a year in arrears. So we get about two and a half, $2.2 million in Circuit Breaker for that $5.6 million. So what you're seeing here is a net general fund is net of those two. So I mean but the breakdown is here to try to give you an idea of what the costs are. Um, The other cost breakdown in here that we will have to you know we will be continuing to revisit and you'll hear this from uh, Nick Milano on the town side are the utility costs. Um, We know what our electric rates are locked in for a while but the gas is up. We're trying to figure out what you should budget for next year for those things. If, you know, it's got a crystal ball that would be really helpful. But you know, we put in reasonable assumptions, we think, for costs for those. But those are obviously volatile, and that's volatile for everyone in town. We bid together with the town uh, on all the utilities. We don't do it separately. I work with Bill Ritchie and when we, put the, we you know, bid out the, uh, all the different fuels and so forth. So, um, we'll see where that, where that plays out. That's just sort of uh, our, probably our major unknown right now, and it's a major unknown for everyone. Um, beyond that, in this, I've given you uh, a breakdown of, it was just an itemization and people ask about the food service budget, if there's a, uh, a ledger in here for that, what our revolving funds are, what grants we get, um, the latest NASDAQ enrollment projections that they sent us in, November I've included those in here a copy of the school uh, the school strategic plan <coughs> a copy of the uh, school department goals so all those various backup things are in here for you to take a look at um, that's how we've organized it and so uh, I hope it gives you a, enough information to, to start looking and you know mm-hmm. we're here to answer tonight or whenever uh, any questions you have about you know what assumptions were made and what where we go from here. So that's where we are.
0: Thank you. Does mm-hmm. so anybody have any questions? I, I have one, if I All can right. ask.
7: And it may
14: be in here, but it has to do with the SPED program. <clears throat> there was a different meeting that I don't remember what it was, but it's talking about the cost of SPED and the out of district students, and that the hope was at some point to bring more students back into the system. Mm-hmm. So the required um, positions of healthcare and teachers and teachers aides is what you presented tonight your baseline today and if we brought more students back into the district we would have to have more positions because it's required well
7: the um the ask for the uh one of one of the positions we were implementing anyway that isn't in here because we fear it's cost neutral because we're trying to create a medical model classroom. We're hiring a teacher or two and bringing a couple students back into Mm -hmm. district, which we hope will remain revenue neutral. Mm -hmm. Since we're not asking for money for that, we just want to do it, Mm -hmm. it's sort of not in here because Mm -hmm. we're in the process of trying to do it right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So we feel that's a cost neutral item. But yes, some of these others, if implemented, could bring people back into district. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the new, the, the new uh, autism spectrum classroom. We mm-hmm. hope to the, the, the flip side of that if we don't do it, more students will go out of district because we won't have a classroom for them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a certain amount of cost avoidance in this, mm-hmm. but um, this is, you know, had we had room or font on, had we had <laughs> <laughs> space, um, you know, to, to have more classrooms. There could be further savings by mm-hmm. taking some of the children we currently have in out-of-district placements and bringing them back. Mm-hmm. We don't have the space to really do that in any numbers right now, mm-hmm. but some of this is really cost avoidance to keep them from going out.
14: Right. So what you presented is what's federal, what's required by law um, in order to keep status the way it is today. Yeah. Okay.
2: Thank you. So Glenn, can you just speak a little bit about what the tuition and transportation are for some of the out-of-district placements so people could have a sense of comparison between that and what a what a teacher would cost if we had a, st-
7: a student or a few students in district? Well, we have, as I say, about 51 students who are currently in out-of-district placements. Uh, at a, at total cost of about $4.6 million. Uh-huh. On top of that, we have to transport them. Only about six of them are in residential placements. The rest are basically commute there. Our special ed transportation costs are roughly 1.6 to 1.8 million dollars on top of that. Um, If if, if you wanna become rich, open a special ed transportation bus company. Uh, It is incredible. We can't find people. Prices are incredible. We have some students who are transported distances at a cost of $200 a day for Some of these students with medical needs, um, a residential placement can easily go into $200,000 or more a year. Uh, we had one a couple years ago that was close to a half million. Um, uh, even a the simplest quote-unquote out-of-district placement, which would be to go to a collaborative program, you know, on the South Shore, mm-hmm. is still going to have tuition in excess of $50,000. Um, you know, it's. It's cheaper to send all these children to Harvard than it is to send the programs that they're in. Um, it it's, a, it's it's very expensive, um, and so that's a you know special ed has gone up um, post pandemic. Five years ago, fifteen percent of our students had individualized education programs. Today, it's about twenty. Um, the, the numbers have gone from six hundred and fifty to close to eight hundred of our students are on IEPs. And a lot of it is due to, you know, issues surrounding being out of school with the pandemic and so forth. Um, They come back, learning loss is there. They said, well, they need to be evaluated for special education services. And we're seeing a higher percentage qualify. Used to be maybe 50% of students who were evaluated would qualify for services. Now it's closer to 80. Um, So the special ed numbers are, are growing.
1: Is that, who are your TR2s, response to interventionists? How many of, of those do we have in our school? Sorry? Our TR2s, which are response to interventionists, those people on the, on the cusp of IEPs, how are
15: we responding to those students? The, those students are um, still in general education. Okay, so they're not receiving, those we are not responding to the general oh, education. Oh, if you're talking about our student support teams and students yeah. who go before those teams. Sure. They may receive actually they would receive services in general education from math interventionist or the reading specialists. However, if they don't make adequate progress, they may be referred for an evaluation, and that's where um, the team makes a determination whether or not a student is eligible for special education um, by way of a, a disability or a developmental delay. So. Um, as Dr. Pavlicek just said, of those students who are being tested now, and this also includes not just our students who've gone through the um, the, um, the student support team process, the pre-referral process, as we call it, mm-hmm. we're also seeing preschoolers coming in who are also we have higher numbers who are eligible for special education. But
1: when um, Mr. Palkovich Palkovich. Palkovich. <laughs> Palkovich. <laughs> Palkovich. He um, said that our interventionists are only covering grades 3, 4, and 5. We have 67% of our students in first grade behind in math, and 60% of our second graders behind in math.
15: How are we addressing that in our budget? We have another math interventionist who will work with students in the lower grades. We also have a new math program that is differentiated, mm-hmm. so that teachers are able to um, Teach whole class lessons. Divide the class into groups so that students who need to be challenged, uh, there are there are instructional materials that address those students who can work independently after the lesson, and then there are those students who can work in a small group with the teacher and receive support.
1: But as we know from past scoring, are those students aren't getting the necessary um, education? So. We don't have math interventionists at every school. How are we going to be able to divide
15: one specialist, interventionist, mm-hmm. to all of the schools, first, first, and second grade? So what we will do is use all three interventionists, and we will look at the student data among all the schools. So it's not one interventionist is assigned to one school. It's all based on the data of the whole cohort of students. Mm-hmm. But I still think that
1: looking at this budget, and we'll have to, you know, with the overlapping of certain, we we didn't find it necessary to put that in and i'm speaking of this because i've obviously been at every forum i'm at every um budget subcommittee and the the, the town is asking for more of those academic you have you we're hearing in the forums and for us to not budget for interventionists for every school but then look at other needs you know i i keep hearing that where we you know we need more of our teachers and we need more of this what i did notice is that we need to start really looking at where we're overlapping and where we have coordinators doing positions that maybe we could you know have where other people are doing those positions and where we can add more teachers where it's math teachers needed science teachers needed at the high school levels yet we are not budgeting them for them the fact of the matter is that we're and inflation and we're asking for the town to pay for that in an override but we aren't putting in our regular academic budget these teachers that are native math teachers science teacher at the high school level you know tech teacher exploratory teachers our middle schoolers are three degrees behind in math we, are we have students and we, and we talked about these pillars but we didn't put an academic pillar in which really needs to address the kids that you know, socially emotionally, that's great. And of course, we should we we should have those pillars. But so, we, they can't read, and emotionally, if they can't read, we need to have make sure we have reading in, interventionist specialists in there to make sure.
15: So, so what I would like to clarify is that we do have an academic pillar, and that is personalized learning. So we've actually had some discussion among our strategic planning committee to consider. Um, substituting the personalized learning pillar for academic excellence because we we feel that we could have done a better job communicating to the parents that that is really synonymous with academic excellence. So that is a priority, and that is what it's all about. Sure. But because we are we are um, we were adopting some strategies that we thought would better meet the needs of our students, we called it personalized learning. But it is actually meant to be synonymous with academic excellence. The other thing that I would like to address is as Dr. Pavlicek said, we have been meeting with our principals, our department heads, and curriculum coordinators since October. And we have had multiple meetings. Um, we have prioritized the needs of their schools. So we do rely heavily on the principals and our, our specialists and coordinators, our leadership team, to make recommendations and prioritize the needs of each grade. So our director of mathematics um, at this time is asking for one math interventionist in addition to the two we have. But those those interventionists will be supporting all of the four schools and it will all be in accordance with prioritizing the data that we have on students. We, um, we have a very comprehensive assessment system and our teachers monitor their students according to the assessment. And that's led by our leadership team. So we're, we're zeroing in on students. We understand the unfinished learning piece. Um, the teachers are receiving considerable support um, to make sure their students get what they need. But when you say students aren't reading, we know the students who are struggling.
1: Well, is that great? And to change the reach for reading in here? Um, to, to is that. Looked at for this for next year. Speaking of
15: no, their, that that mm-hmm. grant was to that grant was not to Change. provide a new a new program. It's that grant. That was five. that grant was to provide supplemental materials, and our scores were too high to qualify for that grant. So
4: I have a question. So last year you, there was an ask for five math interventionists, and mm-hmm. none were hired.
13: No. So
4: no. yeah, mm-hmm. like five? Yeah, five. Mm-hmm. It was in a budget it was a budget request and it was part of opera, and the request was from Jet and it never happened. I I, I don't familiar? have a here.
10: so I'm sorry to interrupt. around.
15: So there there was a, a math interventionist requested this is my understanding. Uh, well, I'm I don't, I don't I don't recall that but I wasn't here at the time, but I do understand the history around a math interventionist that has been questioned a number of times. Yeah. That math interventionist was in the budget, it was during COVID, Um, the position was posted, there were no applicants, we never were able to hire the math interventionist. So it was my understanding that that funding was taken back because the position wasn't filled.
4: It went into the general fund and you hired a diversity person. Pardon me? It went back into the general fund and you hired a diversity (laughs) person. I can prove that to you.
7: No, the person was hired before I left in 2020.
4: Maybe I'm thinking two years back, but there was, a, there was an ask for five math interventionists, and none of them were hired. Do
15: you mean, are you saying that we were, we've received um, funding for five yes. positions? You, you
4: asked for it, and, and the Warren committee said okay.
7: Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I don't remember any. We're
15: here. Like that. no, that's. <laughs> been, <I don't laughs> I, I'm sure that can be verified. No, could, but so I'll prove superintendent Sheehan yes.
14: also mentioned the math curriculum, which was approved, and we yep. purchased the new math curriculum for this year. Yep. And you know, the, we have not yet had the opportunity to see in the data the outcomes that we expect from this improved curriculum. As we pointed out last year, the curriculum we've had for many years was subpar it had been rated subpar by the state. So. You know, I think it's also, as you just laid out, it's like pretty that. clearly important to okay. get okay. the number of math interventionists required in relation to our current curriculum, which is not the same as you would expect under a subpar curriculum, which is what we had before. So it would make sense that we needed five more. I don't remember or recall the specific numbers, but it would make sense that we would need more interventionists when we have a subpar curriculum. Now that we have a curriculum that supports teachers to do the differentiation in the classrooms, which is what you want them to be able to do, you know, the Ryan Sealy has determined what is needed in the context of this. So just making sure that we're up to date on that because I know that wasn't really important investment that you all helped us get um, last year and the town supported that, which was really important, it hasn't yet Unable able to sort of show the outcomes because um, we're only halfway through the, the first year
7: just asked last year me who doesn't recall that either <laughs> well, <now far laughs> ARPA money, I'll, I'll show you
1: question speaking of uh, um, was spent on hiring teachers but how do we support using the ARPA money to create initiatives such as you know after school tutoring Saturday tutoring do we spend any money left regarding ARPA that way
7: some of the extra money which is a separate grant was used for the Beyond the Bell uh, services, which
1: was a, a Beyond the Bell has been around be, prior to our funding coming
7: in. Uh, this is a, an enhanced Beyond the Bell, more than beyond what summer we had in our, was There was some program. Pro, summer program, and um, we still have which money is, in the budget for Beyond Bell during the year as well.
1: Yeah. So okay, I was just curious because Beyond the Bell was created before learning loss. But just to respond to the point about the summer programs the
11: first summer, I think it was probably 2021, the district implemented a open um, summer school program in order to begin to address learning loss. And it was open to every child in Milton. It was free of charge. It also included enrichment activities so that people would have an incentive to participate. And I believe we did it last summer also. So funds were spent two summers in a row for a summer academic enrichment program to address learning loss. I would love to say that the capacity for children to make up for any losses is something that's popular. So if we put in three hours, you're going to get two points plus. It's, It's not that easy. Every child is different. But as we talked about during the last forum, there's multi tier systems of supports. And the first and most important support is the classroom teacher and with this new curriculum that's differentiated and the data that we have because we since covid we have implemented district-wide formative assessments to allow us to determine what kind of gains our kids make students making we're in a much better position to respond to learning loss than we were that first year of the pandemic or the second year of the pandemic but it's not
1: going to be perfect and it's not going to be 100 but here's the thing when you're dealing with learning loss inside the classroom we have kids that are don't, are ready to move forward, and we have kids that have behind. What after school programs did we create to tackle learning loss? We used to, when you were a child, be able to stay after school with your teacher to get extra help. Why did we not create two 2021 summer? That's a year after 2022. Pandemic started in 2020, correct? I mean, so we, we've waited a year to create a summer program over a year. What I'm saying is that we, we can't leave our, our achievers in the class sitting there waiting. These kids are getting left behind because there are these teachers have to reteach things that kids don't haven't learned in the class. We could have created after school using some of that ARPA money and said, okay, let's do a tutoring program. Let's do a Saturday program. We only did a summer program. So I think
15: we're just no to make sure no we we could we Beyond on we the bell last year. Did during during this week yes and actually during vacation weeks we we tried a different model
11: and in 2020 was the first year of the pandemic where we shut everything down we did not know what it was what was safe where could you put kids together all of our children were home there wasn't much going on that summer except for people spending an inordinate amount of time planning Ada was one of those people that sat on that committee determining what does it look like to create a safe learning environment. There was nothing offered in summer 2020 because that was the first year that we had to deal with the pandemic. But I do think what might be helpful for those of you who want to see what it looks like, because I know we've talked about this. We welcome you to come to a school and why don't you look at the software that we're using to differentiate instruction so that for the kids who are ready to do more work, I can witness this for my own daughter. She's told totally me, mom. I'm
1: hearing it because the kids are leaving. The, the, you had a hundred kids in the sixth grade leave, are leaving well, like in the private schools. schools because we're, we're, our kids are, are not getting the, the, the next level. We
11: traditionally have a number of students that leave for independent schools every year. We and, have Milton Academy, we have- And unfortunately, Fair. it's going up because
1: we're at 25 Allison,
11: 25. Allison, let her finish, yeah, let her finish. So I invite you to come to one of our schools, so you can actually see it for yourself. Because I think there's part of this that there's a trust factor that you have to believe that the people who've been hired to do their jobs are doing their best. But if there's any but if there's any concern that they're not, you're invited to come see it for yourself. That's the only way you're going to have a level of comfort that the people that we have hired are doing what's in the best interest of our children. Is it perfect? Absolutely not, but we are one of the best districts in this state. As we showed last year, we ranked 40th, and many people were concerned, but we were funding the schools in the bottom quartile. To have there are wonderful private schools, some of them, some of you here attended them, that do have wonderful intervention because parents are spending fifty thousand dollars a year in tuition to have those things. If we spent that much money per child, this a there's probably not enough staff because there's a teacher shortage in America, but if we had an abundance of supports you'd be amazed what we can do but i do think that it would be helpful for anyone who wants to see the new curriculum the software that we're using for instruction and what's mm. actually happening in our classrooms we should come and
7: um, I'll just say that i would like in to your, that uh, in your uh, enrollment chart in your enrollment mm-hmm. section we have the nesdaq enrollment so you can see You know, for instance, last year in grade five, we had 392 students. This year in grade six, we had 366, so we lost 26 students. Um, From six to seven, last year we lost 36 students. Those are numbers that we have had for a long time, because grade seven is where you have BCI opening up, you have Zaverian, you have CM, you have all these other schools. So there's a traditional loss of six to seven, Um, and now as some of these schools are opening even a little lower, moving down to grade six and so forth. We're seeing it. But if you look at the, uh, the Nesdic numbers in their section, you can actually trace, you know, uh, numbers. And um, I don't see 100 students leaving in the seventh grade. It really, that hasn't shown up in our, in anything we've seen. These are the numbers uh, given by, a, that we do based on student by student on October 1st of each year. So these are the numbers. The most accurate numbers for
8: enrollment. Question, um, just so that I'm understanding it correctly. So when we look at the spending, just on a global level, so the ARPA was the one-time funds? Was it over, they're, they're funds that came out of COVID, there
7: were, there were federal funds for different periods of time. Some were for one year, two years, three years. So there was a certain amount of ARPA funding in, in fiscal 23, some carries into fiscal 24 um, so we're looking right here at the fiscal 23 money, which is not being replaced in fiscal 24. If you go into the salary um, sections of what the various things, for instance, instruction, below the general fund uh, numbers, you'll actually, I actually show people who are continuing on either ESSER grants or ARPA grants, but are, they're not part of the general fund, but they are our staff. And so I'm trying to put every staff member in here, but um, I broke it out by how they're funded.
8: So the ARPA money is gone, that, that what we're saying is, I guess my concern is with the general fund and then we hired, and I, I think I had this concern last year, that <coughs> we essentially took, for all intents and purposes, one-time funds, created permanent positions, but that wasn't really like a true budget in the sense. Do you know what I mean? It was like the but you had your budget and then you're like, oh, yay, like extra money. We're hiring people versus if you did a program that, was, that ran a summer. You know, then that was money spent. You can decide whether or not to do it. But now, so now this is level staff but not level spending in the sense of now we've got, to, we've got to replace the money that isn't there. So it's sort of a, it was a bigger budget by luck. Because we got that funding, so we've got a lot of positions, and so now we're looking at the budget is that much higher this year because now we have to suppl- pay for all those people that we hired, and so I guess that's my question. So the net, so when you were saying this level spending, is that because of incre- So it's two million dollars. Wait, what was? No, no, I two, Spend- I know yeah, no. I guess my question is if the. The spending is so. One, it says general fund. Um, it's it now for level set where we are. Am I hearing that it's now that much more? One almost close to two million dollars more to level no, no. spending. It,
7: for the people who are on the general fund, not ARPA people, in, and our budget for just those people and our services, it's cost two million dollars more to do what we did last year, that's Mm -hmm. the inflationary and cost of living and collective bargaining increases. The additional $970,000 is to fund those positions which were funded by ARPA, which we would like to continue into this year. That's the point you're going to is we, we, positions were spent, ARPA money was spent on positions. But the majority of those positions were to address things like learning loss and so forth. And um, unfortunately, Learning loss has not gone away. Um, you know, I take it, for instance, the two part-time nurses. Uh, two three years ago, we had one nurse at each school. Uh, now we have uh, a, per, uh, a seventh uh, seventh nurse who floats, replace people who are out, and these two part-time nurses, we each do two days a week. Um, it would be nice to say we don't need the part-time nurses anymore, but we absolutely do. Um, it, this is staffing that you know is necessary for the times we're in right yeah and it arpa made it uh, the uh pandemic made it more apparent that we needed it but and we needed you know so the arpa money was spent on it but that doesn't mean when the arpa money went away the need went away
11: and to add to that in all fairness right we probably would have had an override a couple of years ago if it were not for the federal money Milton has a structural deficit. Right. And every several years we have mm-hmm. an override. In the yeah. absence of having an override, we use money from the federal government to ensure that the operations of the town can continue in addition to paying mm-hmm. for things like the additional HVAC costs, the additional staff. We were always short on nurses. We had schools with 600 children with one nurse. There is no ratio of math for which that meets any state requirements. It's just that the ARPA funding allowed us to finally have the money to help the supplemental staff that we needed to make up for the fact that we were understaffed in those positions.
8: No, I understand that. It's just, it's different. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a different way. It's, it's not like if you had come with that budget as that increase, that's very different of the town voting and saying, I'm voting on this, uh, as a whole, like, that this is the new budget. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to saying we've got these funds which makes it more palatable. I, I understand why it happened. I guess my other question is, is this a standard percentage increase year over year for level, like, level staffing, the three percent?
7: Three percent is, is every fairly common. I mean, they, mm-hmm. when, you, when you figure in that um, the teachers have a two percent raise, you know, and uh, you have steps and lanes, um, steps and lanes are often 2% or 2.2% of the budget. This actually is actually a little less than normal. Um, in my time doing this over the years, I, I found that the rollover is, has generally been closer to 4% or a hair over 4% year over year. Um, but actually, part of this is thanks to or not thanks to COVID, we've had a lot of staff turnover. And we have a, a, a lot more new staff than we have traditionally had, and so the rollover for them is less um, because our, our salary structures uh, our total salary has gone down a little bit. Um, you know, we had a, a lot of <laughs> veteran staff who, after COVID, said, uh, no thanks, not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, uh, I would actually, I double-checked this the first time I read it because I didn't believe it was this low, um, but it, it actually is, and I think it, it has to do with the uh, an excessive amount of staff turnover in the last year.
4: Can we also see the benefits that are Because this is just salary we're looking at, right? That doesn't include benefits.
7: Yeah, benefits in the right or in the in the general in, in the group insurance and yeah. in the group insurance and in the you know, so could we get could we, could we see that number? With the benefits? I, I do actually mean? don't have that number. I think that's something uh, we'll, yeah, we'll the town administrator, uh, uh, administrator can give you. That. Told
2: us that number at our joint finance meeting this week so I think he'll bring that to your okay. attention okay. Week when he comes. Thank
6: you. Could, how many did you, for some of the ARPA funded positions, were those positions that had previously come from the general fund or were those all brand new general positions? New. They were oh. all new. Okay. And then I know you guys are talking about the preschool. Um, we had, what happened to child study? Has that program ever come back? No. It has. no. So what happened when we eliminated those two preschool teachers? Like, were, d- are they? Positions.
7: They were, they were dual-certified. The child study, for those who don't know it, used to be a program at Milton High School where we had one preschool class in Milton High School, and students, high school students as an elective, would work in that class a couple days a week, and they, would, they were, you know, future teachers, things like that. Um, we had to eliminate that program uh, several years ago um, the teachers who taught in it were dual certified as high school teachers and preschool teachers. And so they simply moved into other high school positions.
6: And so like what happened to say like their, like the money that the revenue, did that program bring in revenue? Um, very little, but what the, those positions, where did that money go when we eliminated that program?
7: Did we, um, yeah. So the, the two teachers who were at the high uh, high school teachers backfilled other teachers who left eventually. Okay. So they uh, they just became high school teachers. Um, the mm-hmm. Revenue, I mean, we had, I'm trying to remember now, 15 students in there. It was probably bringing in 15 to $20,000 a year. It was a very inexpensive program. It was a great program. Though. It was a great program. <laughs> I loved it. And if we had space, <laughs> we would bring it back. Yeah. Um, but there, um, those rooms <laughs> that were built for little children are, are now science classrooms and other things uh-huh. because we had to reuse the rooms for something else. Um, it, it, uh-huh. it became part of the space issue as well. So uh, are
8: the other class, so then are the preschools bigger now because that's 15 kids? No, th- those I mean, were. No, they were but if you figure that is the same. No,
7: because the other preschools are meant for special education students. So if you have six special education students in an integrated classroom, you have to have at least seven, quote unquote, peer role models by state. You know There has to be more Non-special education students and special education students. These students in the uh, in, in the child study were just people who, by lottery, were able to get into the program and have their kids there for three days a week as a half-day preschool. And when it went away, it just wasn't that opportunity for parents anymore. It just didn't exist. Um, they could try to, you know. <laughs> They can try to become uh, peers in the integrated preschool, but there isn't really that program anymore, so it's just, it's an
0: opportunity lost. It is, yeah. I see that Judy has her hand up. Judy? Judy. She's on mute, she may
7: not
0: realize. Judy, are you on mute? well i was
13: but i'm not now (laughs) (laughs) i think um if i could just revisit something i think steve geister mentioned about a previous budget that was approved that had a line item approval of adding up to five um scooters if you will and they weren't able to hire because there were no applicants. We found out from the school school committee. Is there a way if there's anything similar in this year's budget? It is my first year doing a budget. So just going to ask this question. If there's a similar type of line item in this year's budget for a specific thing that isn't able to be fulfilled, is there a way to designate how these unused funds actually get used instead of going into a general fund and using it for something not even related to what the original request was for.
7: The technical legal answer is no. Um, it's not the answer you want to hear, I grant. But um, under uh, chapter 71, the the. The school committee has the authority to move around items within the budget, within the bottom line of the budget, which is why at town meeting you only vote for one number for the school committee budget because the Ed Reform Act back in uh, 1992 or whatever it was, um, designated that uh, the towns can vote a bottom line for a school budget, but then the school committee is responsible for moving it around. What has been done in the past is, you know, people have asked for a commitment from the school committee to do A, B, and C if funds are available. And, you know, as a former person on the school committee, you did, I, we did our best to, to satisfy that because you make a promise you should keep it. Um, but there's no legal authority that says, you know, if this comes, if this doesn't happen, you have to do this with it. Um, uh, again, not the, not the, Probably the direction you're hoping to go with that, but that technically is the law.
2: You know, I can just speak as a school committee member over the six years I've been on the school committee. There were times when school committee members advocated for a uh, program. Um, and the, the one I'm thinking about is the one up at the high school uh, for the uh, kids who are coming in from a medical leave or who have some behavioral issues that need right. extra support. And we we pushed for that for a couple of years before it actually um, we pushed for funding for that for a couple of years before it actually happened because sometimes the needs change so just like I might have put away fifteen thousand dollars for this vacation that I'm dying to go to but my roof you know leaks and I have to say well no vacation this year I have to fix the roof instead so you know the the school system has to be nimble enough to um, move around budget issues as needs arise I mean. Even this, um, we're in February almost, uh, I, I remember sitting in meetings and Glenn you know, would come into finance subcommittee and I'd almost have to say to Glenn, what's changed since last week? Because a special ed student would be moved into Milton and needed X, Y, or Z, and he would say, we've got to put this in the budget for 2024, but we have to hire that person right now because we have a student who needs that. So we have to make changes all the time. and again. <laughs> that we can make recommendations, but that's really the administration's role to decide how to use the funds, because they're the ones that operate the schools.
13: It would, if it's okay, um, it would seem to me that in good faith, the the town agreed there was a need for what you asked for. And... um I don't know how to really express this, but if you told me you wanted to make a petting zoo with the money instead of an educational expense where there's academic learning involved, I might really question that. And if you had come to me for the petting zoo in the first place, I might have said no. Does does that make sense?
14: are you like, what are you comparing
13: the petting zoo to i'm not sure i'm, well, I'm the uh, comparing programs i guess programs one was to um increase academic learning for some students that may have needed some extra help in certain curricula items um, and it went back to the general fund and didn't seem to come back out of there for the same type of purpose, same categories. May not be math. Maybe we could add some science. Maybe we could put out and find some more uh, reading and writing. But it went to um, a non-academic learning purpose, as Steve mentioned. So I guess that's what prompted my um, question of, the town in good faith, the members, town meeting members on behalf of all the citizens um, granted you that money for what seemed like a very worthy purpose and it was never used for a very similar purpose.
0: I I think that there's always going to be that tension. I think it's like Mr. Pavelchek was saying is that you know there's a budget, there's line items, you present it, we look at it, but then Circumstances can change. The unforeseen roof goes. And maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't happen. And then just the way that this is set up, then it it goes back into the general fund. And at the end of the day, while we have the budget, we're voting for a number. We're voting for a number.
3: One question I have, and I think it relates to all of this and some of that tension that comes up, and I I heard it referenced earlier, I'm curious about the per pupil spending because I'd say like particularly last year, like I know the school budget is so big in the orbit of town, and yet in this the Commonwealth, like I was kind of embarrassed when I saw where we are um, in terms of our per pupil spend because that like that's our in- investment in the student. Um, and being in the bottom quarter doesn't seem great and then seeing like where we're ranked in terms of performance like amazed by how we're able to do that with so little and and yet it makes me wonder like what if we even spent an average amount per student Um, and I like to me it's thinking of the example of like you might plan a vacation but if your roof leaks when you're in the bottom quarter it's not even a vacation it's like things that you probably need but maybe at a stretch can make it work without um because there's an emergency that comes up um and i think like all of the requests here feel like basic needs which is concerning to me because again like i'm amazed by the performance given the investment um so i am curious Mm -hmm. this past year compared to the year prior like has there been any movement in where we are relative to the rest of the Commonwealth? Like, are we still in that bottom quarter? Um, Are we- I I
7: don't think they put out the numbers yet for this year. Um, The state is is slow with that. I mean, but realistically, the reason our per pupil spending where it is, is a function of the structure of Milton, that we are, you know, 95% of our residential, of of our tax base is is residential, not commercial. We have, you know, very little in the way of, funds that we get from, you know, we don't have that many restaurants and hotels and things like that, that a lot of, we get those taxes other sources of revenue. Um, it, 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 similar towns to Milton have that sort of similar structural issue where you're so heavily dependent on the tax base of your residents um, to the almost exclusion of everything else that you don't get up in that upper realm of, of per spending because, frankly, the The ballpark we're in where you know if you if you were to throw in all the um, extra costs of of uh, of the insurance and so forth for our employees and you throw in bonding related to the schools and you throw in everything in from all the different budgets into the schools you're talking the school departments about two-thirds of the town budget and that's absolutely (laughs) normal in the commonwealth Um, It it just it is Um, and just the structure of our tax base is what limits us to be able to do more than that. I mean, you know, as you, you'll see, the, I think the third highest, after sta- after tax base and um, and state aid, the third highest single source of income for the town of Milton is motor vehicle excise tax, of all things. I mean, who would have thought that was, you know, what's driving your economy in the town? But that's pretty much it. Um, it you know, it's, uh, it, it is an issue with the, with the structure of Milton, and again, it's it's a decision by the people who live here because um, we don't want shopping malls for the most part in Milton. I mean, that there is a, a quality of life that people choose to live here. They, you know, they don't want you know mega malls and things like that in Milton. Um, but the flip side of that is then it's on the residential property tax, and you have to be willing to put up with that. So it's you know it's the price you pay for the quality of life you get. That in effect, the 20% of our of our land not taxable between the Blue Hills and other things,
10: but. Uh, well, I mean, if I can follow up on what you just said, the people of Milton have chosen to have a tax base that is 95% residential. Uh, I moved here 15 years ago. I think shortly before that, there was a big no ball in Milton movement and You know, in the decades before that, you know, we set the groundwork to be largely residential. I've heard rumblings, you know, in the past decade or so, we'd like more commercial base, but not a whole lot's happening. So I don't know if this is leading to a question or what, but Milton has chosen to be a town that is funded through residential taxes. Does that also mean Milton has chosen to have schools that are quite good, but in the bottom quartile of funding when they could be even quite better with... Average funding. I don't know that Milton has chosen that. I don't know one way or the other.
7: I mean, we used to say, uh, as a consequence of this tax structure here, you should expect an override every three to four years. And for many years, that's what happened. From the mid-90s through uh, late, two th- you know, late 2000 decade, it was, a, it was an override every three to four years. Because it's the only way you could maintain services under the limitations of Prop Two and a Half because we didn't have a lot of new growth. But then- Because we didn't have room for new growth because- I can follow up on that.
10: But then what override? I mean, as my colleague said, a lot of these asks, they seem like not luxuries, but necessities. (coughs) If it would be great if it was a, you know, I don't know what level of dollar override it would be, but if it was an override, could we get not only the necessities, but something a little better? Again, I don't know who I'm asking. The,
7: the purpose of an override, if you're really going to do it right, you ask for a little more than you need in the first year so that you know in the second year it funds it, and in the third year you might put in some of that first money from the year one into the stabilization and fund the third year, or do that on a longer stretch than three years. Maybe you do it on a five-year plan or something like that. But you build it so that it carries you. Um, that is not necessarily historically what happened in Milton. Uh, a lot of it is, we've built it so we think that will pass with that number. And so that's where the number came from. Um, and you know, for good or ill, that's what's happened. Um, and it's, you, you can argue that it's not the best method of planning, um, but then the political side of people will tell you, well, if it doesn't pass, that's worse. So um, you, you want to you build a number that you think population will accept because anytime there's an override the first question obviously is what's it going to cost me just absolutely but jay to your
11: point we should
7: aspire to
11: know what do we want our town to be and there are Mm -hmm. lots of people who are uncomfortable with saying you know we would love to have all these things because it won't pass or people won't support it but in reality we could aspire to be better right we could aspire to do better (coughs) But we have to agree as a community that that's what we want for our children and for independent of the schools what do we want for our fire for our police for our health department we haven't stated that yet wouldn't it be nice if we did because then these conversations wouldn't be about you know how do i save two dollars or how do i save a hundred thousand dollars it's about no we are we're funding a vision because this is where we want to go versus making incremental changes around the edges that aren't really moving the needle One of the reasons why we're ranked 40th is because there's a group of kids for whom we have not supported. There are a group of kids who chronically may underperform. What if we actually invested in resources to make sure those students even did better?
5: We wouldn't be 40.
11: But we haven't made that decision as a town.
8: Well, now I feel silly asking about specific line items for a budget. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I think um, this is as a parent of a child in special ed and a child who is one of those $6 million numbers who's been out of district for six years. And my concern is that um, there's a lot that needs to be done in Milton's special education department, a considerable amount. And... Um, I f- some of this feels like um, trying to make big leaps quickly, like there, there, there are a lot of needs. And I hear, oh, if we had extra space and extra rooms and we could bring all these kids back, I beg to differ because I don't think we have the prog- programs. I don't think we have the things in place to do that. It's, my kid was not sent out of district because of a room. It was because of a program and a placement and it just Milton didn't have it and he's one of many. So I, I get worried when we have conversations like that, that it's about space, because it's, it's not. It's about much more than space. It's about programming. Um, to that point, we do need more, but I'm wondering about these numbers as we're looking at them, because sometimes that word mandated and we'll throw out, well, we have to do it because it's special ed, and, and we do. We do have to do these things, but I'm wondering with these numbers, they're saying these are required by current IEPs, for some of these, is this that that we have new students? Is it that the service providers that we have are overtaxed and they don't have that we don't have that extra speech therapist or that extra OT to do it? And I guess similarly, when you're looking at the new the ASD classroom um, at Calicut, you know, ABA is absolutely you know necessary or needed in that classroom. I you know is it it's one class, it's two teachers. I guess there are things that I'm wondering. Is it like, are we spending, are we trying to leap ahead and fill in some of these gaps? Is the goal with some of the spending to start thinking about bringing more kids in district or is it about immediate need? I just don't have a lot of CLARITY ON the THAT
7: ASD CLASS IS CERTAINLY FOR IMMEDIATE NEED WE HAVE STUDENTS COMING OUT OF EARLY INTERVENTION WHO ARE, are, are GOING TO REQUIRE THAT PROGRAM AND uh, THE THREE CLASSROOMS WE HAVE ARE FULL AT THE MOMENT IS so THIS
8: right, THE NECK PROGRAM yes, or? It
7: is. Okay. Um, SO th- THAT THAT PARTICULAR CLASSROOM IS IMMEDIATE NEED okay. um, THE HIGH SCHOOL TEACHER IS IMMEDIATE NEED BECAUSE THE FIRST GROUP OF THE ASD CHILDREN ARE, are NOW REACHING THE HIGH SCHOOL AND WE HAVE TO HAVE a, a PROVIDER WHO CAN DEAL WITH THEM WE HAVE CURRENTLY PROGRAMS AT THE HIGH SCHOOL BUT NOT really for that class of children. Um, So those are immediate needs. Um, I'm returning to, to, uh, from out of district placement, you're correct, a lot of the students we have out of district placement are not coming back. But in conversation with the special ed director, we think there are probably half a dozen students who are currently out of district who if we had a classroom we could create a program and keep them here. It's, It's lack of space and lack of the program for them that uh, is is the reason they're out of district. We are never going to bring 51 students back into district. It will not happen. The, the, a lot of these students have needs beyond our ability to deal with, or they're just too specific that we couldn't create a program for that you know that particular need. But there are some that you know, and it's, it's small numbers, but small numbers turn into big numbers when you're paying the tuition. Um, that we could bring back. But you know, I, I you're not. You're correct that the, the vast majority of those 51 children, probably 45, are really not eligible to come back.
15: Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to add that we do have some situations where we are limited to space because we have, um, if we had larger classrooms, we could accommodate more of our students in those special classrooms. So um, because we're, we're limited by the size of the classrooms, if we, don't, if we don't plan, we, will, we would eventually have to send students out of district. Those,
7: mm-hmm. those ASD classrooms at College Cutter yeah. have nine students. Mm-hmm. If they were in a full-size classroom, we Did could we have, have 15, yeah. but they're not in a full-size classroom because we don't have one, and so that's why there's nine in that class instead of 15. And so you know, now you're in three classes yeah. instead of two, yeah. and it's lack of space causing that. Mm-hmm.
8: Sorry, can I ask one other question on this? The intensive learning classroom at Tucker, um, so the three teachers—is this a particular? Are we looking at a particular grade? Is this three teachers across grades? Because you said that there's a, there are kids that you're seeing that it sounds like they're coming, they might be coming into the district or into school who haven't necessarily had pre, had preschool or learning. So that says to me it's like a kindergarten level. 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 So but three teachers is a lot for a school. And for a new program, is there are there numbers that you're looking at? That
15: I think that the I think there are two teachers for the earlier grades, but I think that um, our uh, director of pupil personnel services is looking for a third teacher to again support students around um, lack of readiness um, and unfinished learning in other grades to avoid um, eligibility for special education.
2: When she spoke to us about this need, she talked about uh, teachers pushing into the classrooms to give extra support to certain students, and also maybe taking some students out for some small group instruction or re-instruction. Um, so she talked about that because I guess Tucker doesn't, Tucker does not have a, a special, specialized, special ed program, that, and, they, and so they often have to take those kids who live in the Tucker neighborhood Them elsewhere, she really wants to be able to um, have a program at Tucker unique to Tucker that would service their students.
8: But so this would be push ins because there aren't classrooms, correct?
2: Pushing in and also pulling out, kind of a combination of both as needed.
7: Pulling out from our elementary schools often means a couple desks and a chair on the landing and the staircase or at the end of a hallway or in other places where we really should be pulling out students too but we don't have any other options.
8: So it's not a specific classroom, it's more teachers that are... Thank you.
7: And again, it's not in the category of um, we have IEPs that require this, this is this is something that... Addressing early addressing needs. Addressing early yes. needs. But
0: are there any other questions from the warrant committee do you have it yep
10: jay yep i have i have one this is no um,
6: hennie's got his hand up. And oh, and
10: well i've already spoken if oh would like to speak first
9: oh, jay you can go ahead and no, i'll follow you
10: okay this is uh sort of on the issue of school overcrowding and what do we do about it and we realizing that in the next couple of years, we're gonna be probably choosing between, hate to be a pessimist, but choosing between bad options and just deciding what's best. Uh, we, we've heard many, this committee's heard a couple times about uh, that Cunningham or Collicott has a, an elementary school room in the library and that's not great. I guess what I'm wondering is, as it relates to the budget, if there was more money for teachers' aides, could an elementary school classroom have more kids if you have two adults instead of one. I know nothing about education, keep that in mind. But given that we're choosing between difficult choices, if we spend more on staff, could that buy us some breathing room on space that we're gonna need for the next couple of years?
15: Well, we we have licensed teachers who um, are effective, in um, supporting students, um, our teacher aides are not licensed. So while there are um, there are certain supports that they can provide, and certainly we have we have many aides already in, in the district. When it comes to instruction, um, we really want to have licensed uh, teachers.
10: Could we have two licensed teachers in a room? I, yes. I know yes, it's not. Yes, we right.
15: actually do. We do have that model, and it's called <coughs> our co-teaching model where we have one general education teacher and one special educator. So the students who have such needs that require they're with a special educator um, all day, need what we call specialized instruction, those teachers work together in those classrooms. But
16: Janet, if I can um, intervene. Just in terms of just walking around our schools and looking at the average size of our classrooms, I think as much as you know, it would sort of you know say why not, right? Let's put more kids in a classroom. I don't think it's doable. Um, already with about twenty-four kids in a room, I, I know this. I go and volunteer in my daughter's classroom all the time. It feels quite quite by- crowded. It's tight, um, and especially as we're moving into more di- differentiated learning and teaching. And thinking of uh, universal design, and which means really we're really thinking about you know how do we meet the needs of that student? Then you really also need space, right, to structure the learning in a different way. Um, so I think we're limited by the size of our classrooms. We wouldn't be able to fit too many more. Um, you know, I think about my daughter's kindergarten experience was to actually, there were, I think four different teachers, uh, and, and in the classroom, but the classroom was actually the largest classroom in Cunningham. Uh, so that made about, maybe it was about 27 of them, uh, in that particular room. Uh, but there was also, a, it was an integrated classroom too. So it was meeting the needs of various students. Um, so I do think we're limited.
15: We are. I, I didn't mean to talk about the co-teaching model to suggest that we could just add more, twice as many students. Yeah. I, I didn't mean that. I just sort of went to that because we do already have that in existence. But we don't add more students because of it. We do it to support those students who need specialized instruction.
1: With um, that overcrowding, have, what's our residency chef policy, just to make sure that we get every seat in that in that room You know, to make sure that we have? Policy.
7: What is that? We check residency when mm-hmm. students enter the district. We check residency as they if um, they would check residency as they move up to sixth grade. We check residency again as they move up to ninth grade, and we check residency anytime we have a suspicion that something has happened. For instance, we monitor house sales. We monitor um, we all of our mailings have a return address on them uh, that requires them not to be forwarded and be returned to us if the address isn't correct. Um, so we we have one person whose job it is just simply to, to monitor residency. Um, it is an ongoing process. Um, it's not necessarily as simple as it sounds sometimes because you have people who move into town and are living with relatives. Their name isn't on the lease. Their name, they don't own the building, but they are living there. And sometimes it's hard to, prove or disprove that Um, and you know so it it, but we we monitor it constantly it it is an issue Um, we have a a number of students I'd have to go back and look who are um, actually put out of the district every year because we find they don't live here Um, it is it's a battle to keep uh, under control Um, but You know, there are other issues, too. I mean, you know, if someone is in foster care or homeless, there are all sorts of special rules involving them. They may not physically reside in Milton, but be entitled to be here um, under special rules with the state. But for the most part, it's really just a matter of ongoing, uh, you know, watching the real estate sales and watching all that sort of stuff and and the periodic kindergarten, sixth grade, ninth grade recertifications. Which are not popular with parents, I might add. But it's, it's something. Uh, it's something we have to. do. Uh, may I just
1: follow up? How many is that residency coordinator? How many is she full time?
0: Half
7: time. Yeah. Actually,
1: 30 hours.
7: she's thirty hours, three quarters time.
0: Oh, Henny, you had your hand
9: up. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and uh, forgive <coughs> me for my camera not working and for not being in person. This is no disrespect to the school committee. You know, I I love you guys, it's late dinner here. So, um, so a couple of questions and, and thank you for the, the members and discussion. I'm trying to follow, I might've missed a bit at the beginning, if it's been answered, please just just go ahead and say so, no offense taken. Um, my, my first question, uh, just following up with that residency thing, you know, as uh, yeah, I wish we could spend the money, we spent checking residency and invest that in the kids, I'll be honest. I don't think sending police officers into homes to open doors and make sure people do that is, is, is for me, it's the a, a best way to think about how we spend education dollars. But that's my, that's my own two cents, and that's not a hill I want to die on today. What I do want to know is, I, I, and, and thank you guys for the work you've done, if there's been an inordinate amount of change in the leadership of this district. Um, I, I thank you, the acting superintendent, for stepping in. Uh, you, you, you guys, the fact that you're sitting here with this plan is admirable, considering what what you all have been through and the turnover and everything. And I and I don't want us to take it for granted. Having been one of the long serving members here. The way this goes is we cut your budget, we push against you and then we complain you didn't do more. And so I also want to apologize for the nature of that process. It just is what it is. It's our job to pressure test this and we will continue to do so. All that said, the question I asked last year, the question I asked the year before is the same one I'm gonna ask now. And that is how these plans go along with your greater strategic plan, right? How does everything we're talking about fit into context of the larger plan for bringing the school district forward? We can debate about this teacher, this math teacher, As Jay said, none of us are experts, none of us really know. But what we want to know is that there's a plan that is coming forward and that you can see that this fits into some larger plan. One area that I'd like specific focus on, and forgive me, I'm not there to look at the book and check the numbers myself yet, is on technology. Everyone is talking about things that we, are, we need to cut and spend and we do need to cut. Technology is an area where I think we've underfunded. And everyone who's used one of those Chromebooks knows that better materials, everyone who's used a bad computer knows the challenges of that. And so I would love to know, like technology is a where we can plan for, you know, the whatever, not just planned obsolescence, but thinking about the systems how does is this part of does this fit into plan or has COVID thrown us off our strategic plan where are we in that big picture is kind of my first question
16: Uh, excellent uh question and as uh we've been actually presenting uh the strategic plan um, a lot of sort of as we were considering and sort of meeting with uh teachers and uh, with principals and everybody else that we were meeting as we were developing the budget that you see before you, it was through that lens of the strategic plan and asking that question. How does this, is this gonna move sort of our pillars, right? Our focus on increasing individual student achievement, because that's a focus, right? That's the outcome that we wanna see. We wanna make sure that we're seeing progress by student. And then in the aggregate that we're starting to see movement in terms of our district, yes, we do well, but obviously we aspire to rank even better, right? That's what we wanna do. And thirdly, to make sure that those disparities that have been in place for a long time, the opportunity gaps, if you will, that have been there that we're filling, that we're meeting that need. And that means, you know, that there are definitely subgroups that have been left behind. And so how do we make sure that we're paying attention to subgroups? And obviously, the most recent data is flagging other groups. We're starting to see that, you know, sort of uh, achievement by subgroup groups that traditionally have done well are not doing well. So the strategic plan really does give us that framework to ask ourselves, why is that happening? Let's look at it and let's figure it out. So in terms of the budget, the development of the budget, it was in alignment with our strategic plan. Now uh, you'll see that there are modest uh, asks in terms of some areas of the strategic plan and the majority of that goes into personalized learning, into the learning piece into the academic piece because we know that as a school committee that's what we're holding ourselves against but knowing that we need to do all the other pillars if you will of the strategic plan uh, in order to move our students forward so i think that the budget very much aligns with our strategic plan and we're looking at it from that perspective everything that we're doing sort of our actions as a school committee as a district is against that strategic plan it has placed sort of our north star of where we want to get to and that's what we're
9: holding to. Thank you very much. And so I'm hoping when I look at the book, based on what you were saying, that I'd be able to say something like, we are, this is where our goal is in terms of, you know, um, whatever mathematics, and this is a percentage that we've achieved so far. This is where our goal is in terms of SPED, and this is, I think that would really help our committee and our town to understand a sense of that, that kind of. Graduated sense. It's just my two cents on how I think the budget can look. But we'll look at the book today, and you guys have done a great job. I want to commend uh, Amy Dexter when she came in. I did notice a turnaround in the budget when you took over. Thank you. Looks great. Really appreciate the work there. there. There was a piece about technology that no one answered in terms of the plan for technology and our strategic plan with that. Are we investing more? Are we staying level? Are we? Where does that fit?
7: The, the technology, most of the technology, certainly with respect to Chromebooks, is a, a part of the capital budget. It's not part of the budget, the, the operating budget for the school. So you'll see it when you see your capital budget proposal that we have requests in there for um, periodic replacement of the Chromebooks. Um, they, they've come in waves so it doesn't happen linearly because when you, uh, when you buy a Chromebook, the operating system um, expires after a certain number of years and is no longer compatible. So you, you replace them at the rate you bought them at. So if you had one year that had a lot, you have to replace that many. It, it's, it's, a, it's a shame because sometimes you have working Chromebooks, but the operating system is out of date and you can't use them anymore for MCAS. It's, and you can't upgrade them because <laughs> the, uh, Chromebooks only can be upgraded so many times. Um, but we do have a plan for the, uh, the technology. It's primarily in the capital plan, um, although there's a certain amount in here of periodic replacement. Um, all the infrastructure is contained in the operating budget, all of our network capacity, all of the spam filters, all of the, those sorts of um, baseline stuff is in our operating budget, and a certain amount of replacement, repair, and so forth is in our operating budget, the majority of uh, technology lies in the capital. And Dr. Server, ser, period, uh, server replacements
9: and things like that. That Dr. Pavlicek, that's exactly my concern. That the, the technology strategy is is not intersected at all with the large just sitting capital in terms of replacing Chromebooks. We all know that these Chromebooks you can upgrade them a certain amount of time. At some point are we going to think about buying systems that are actually going to enable us to do more than just the sort of cheap Chromebook that we can only do so much with and throw them away. That, that's, I just mean that I, I think technology is moving at a pace that just buying replacements sh- is not a plan. I, I would love for us to have a, a, a plan that actually thinks about the advancement of technology. If we want to be a cutting edge school, which I, I think we've all agreed that based on our spending, we don't want to be, but, but I, I think if we want to get there someday, that's the kind of thing that we, we should aspire to. I will I will leave that there and try to look at the budget the the, the, the the real question that that's really been plaguing my mind as I think about this is everyone knows what it is to get a new boss. When the new boss comes in, guess what happens? Things change. And so you're asking us to cut a check and support the town in saying this. And so I, I want to ask Superintendent Burroughs. How does this plan align with your vision? Don't put you on the spot. Before we <laughs> cut the check, I think, I think this is a good question. And everyone, uh, look, the new boss, if you come back next to and say, well, last year we did this, but I really want to go this direction. I'm going to say, we asked you, well, I won't be here, so you're, you're, you're off the hook, but I'm going to say, I asked you about what you thought about it. Does it generally align with where you want to go? Can we build on this? Or are you going to be doing a turnaround? I know there's some learning that has to happen, but just just uh, are uh, I, I, are we are we in the direction that you want to go can you speak a little bit to it
17: i mean my plan next year is a full technology overhaul <laughs> hey
9: <laughs> yeah, you go. you go. you got no, my vote. can you write up a select board, too i got you okay. um, yeah. yeah i mean
17: i think i am still getting to first of all um, great to be with all of you and uh, to get started here, and this is day one, so I don't know um, as much as I'll know at this time next year. Um, But yeah, I mean, based on everything that I've researched and and what I know about where Milton is, I think this certainly is a transitional period. You mentioned um, the fact that there's been a shift in leadership over a couple years here. Um, I think a lot of the work has continued, and I think the work that I'll be doing in getting started uh, July 1 is gonna be looking at all of all of the work that's been put in place, the strategic plan, which is grounding all of this, and being able to articulate, I think, as you're talking about in terms of um, how does the budget align with strategic plan goals specifically, that that's the work that we're going to be doing as we lead up to what the next budget looks like. Um, I don't I don't see. You know, coming in and thinking about what the needs are for Milton and better understanding them, and I and I don't profess to know all of them yet. Um, there are lots of conversations to have, a lot of research to do, um, teams to build, etc. I think the um, the the groundwork in this budget will set up all of that work going forward. I don't I don't see anything uh, currently in reviewing all this that that you know as come back together again at this time next year and put forward fy25 um, that this this investment wouldn't be leading to the right kinds of decisions in fy25 to move forward that could include things that as as we look at the strategic plan as we have conversations around the kind of excellence we want to see in the schools around um, kind of innovation and things that maybe are missing that we've talked about that maybe with the two and a half you know kind of like the the tax reality that has been talked about tonight. Um, I mean, those are all questions that the community at large has to have, it can't happen in a a small subcommittee, right? Um, Some of those conversations, I believe just knowing how this works, um, you know, six months into my leadership um, will be the start of that. But that will that this kind of work takes a couple of years to really kind of fully flourish. Um, And so I think, you know again like i think this budget supports kind of where will be a a strong foundation for me to come in to start having those conversations and then just start to look at where do we want to go who do we want to be how do we fund that um how do we get everybody involved in kind of at the ground level so that there's support for it because um this can't happen in in silos right it has to happen as a as a larger community
9: Thank you.
8: I have one more question, and, and this is, um, if it's not relevant, that's, that's fine. But I was thinking about, about what you just said. And I know in the past, like, you know, every budget is sort of iterative. Like, we're going, we're building from here, and we need to add this, and then we do this, and then we do this. And if you think about the strategic plan, and has there, has there been, you know, sort of a, for lack of putting it another way, like a zero based plan? Like, okay, what's our ideal? And then you layer it on there as opposed to saying this is what we have this is where we go so we're gonna do this do you know what I mean then I know it's a, a lot of work and I know but it, but to your point like if we're looking at overrides every three or four years in it, it's sort of the same way if you're looking at the school okay you could do font bond it answers this question for four years or you do something else that it answers the question for six and I guess it's just is that, a, is that something that you guys do or have done so that because I think sometimes it is that knowledge of as sort of Ohene said, where are we going? Like what do we what do we want this to look like? You know what do you know answering some of the questions around learning loss, answering some of the questions around special education, which is huge, answering you know career readiness, um, equity, you know all of those things. Are we looking at it through that lens of sort of a global lens and then and I just don't know. If, I'm just curious if that's ever been done.
16: I'm just so glad to hear you <laughs> say that because, as a newcomer to the school committee and sitting through the you know, planning for where we are right now in terms of the budget, I think I probably was one of the voices that was like, but let's not limit ourselves to just you know meeting sort of barely meeting, right? right. Just presenting to you and we're status quo. But really, bringing in need space and even our need space presentation is trimmed down, which I don't think I I don't think that's how you lead. You know, you gotta lead with, you know, you gotta have a vision and you have gotta think about that. But I also sort of am respectful right. of the fact that we have a town and we sort of have worked in a certain way and that we have. A structural deficit and and understanding that and also knowing that we have these competing not competing but these uh concurrent needs right we have the need for space right that we need we know that and then we also have our operating operating budget that those are real there's there's a lot and there's a lot of things that we um probably um didn't bring in front of you uh, but that were not nice to have and i think we're going to feel them Uh, by next year when we say, well, you know that, that we actually didn't do, we should do it this year. And it's, I think, what happened with ARPA, right? If we had done very incremental budgeting and very um, modest budgeting every year, then when we saw an opportunity of low cash, we're like, oh my goodness, this is an opportunity because now the needs are even more pressing. But that is not, if you want to be sort of visionary, that is not the way I would approach a budget. I would really think about, let's dream and then let's allow us to do that and then trim down from that and come back to down to earth and say this is how much we're gonna be able to do. Um, but I, I feel like if the appetite is there across the town, then there's no reason why we couldn't engage in that exercise. And in the
11: back of our strategic plan, you'll see what our goals are in terms of the outcomes. So for each one of those pillars, there are very specific outcomes that we've identified that we wanna achieve and get within five years. It's a good starting point. It was work that was done within the schools but it'd be great to have this point where is this town going and what do we think we want to aspire to be
15: and then how do we fund it i think that's a very valid conversation to have if i just may add to that in addition to um, being guided by our strategic plan um, we also have um, Periodic reviews by our Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. So we have um, we had uh, earlier in the year um, what they refer to as a targeted review. And it's a um, it's a random selection of cities and towns where they look at a couple of standards, um, a couple of performance standards for districts. And we get feedback and recommendations from reports such as that. Uh, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education is also going to uh, conduct a um, what they call a focus targeted review. And they do this for districts every three years. So this is information that's very valuable to us. In addition, we are conducting a program review of our special education program. And so we'll have someone come in um, who looks at the program objectively, looks at staffing, looks at our programs, and they will make recommendations that we will consider. And recommendations and innovations, perhaps. So so um, it's important for us to do that every so often. This is a really good time to do that with a new superintendent coming in. So we, we always look forward to that kind of feedback for improvement. Can we,
14: um, the metrics are in the binder with the strategic plan, um, so maybe the, those around to everybody those
7: okay.
14: were um approved early this fall as sort of the phase two of approving the strategic plan which is included here but i know that was feedback we received last year <coughs> that um, we hadn't identified targets or metrics and we uh group of people worked really hard to do that so i want to make sure you can see yeah. those.
7: Awesome. Yeah.
0: There are there any other questions from the war Committee? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Superintendent, welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Thank, Thank you. You all for your service. Yeah. haven't
17: seen
0: How long is the drive?
17: Uh, it's like three hours and 15 minutes. It's so not too drive? bad. Not no,
13: tonight. I'm here tonight. <laughs> I'm here tonight. I'm going to be in town tomorrow, too.
10: The morning committee was all about late nights. Late day starts at 4.30. Oh,
14: my.
0: <laughs> what time do you have to get to work? Is there a motion? work <laughs>
5: oh,
14: will no. <laughs> down in Pembroke. It's adjourned. It's a chair. There's no
9: discussion
5: tonight. Yeah, the second, second, is is second is, is there an objection? No. 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 The motion carries.
0: Well. welcome.